When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap here on Fightful MMA Boxing. This is weird. It's been a while since we've been here for an, a UFC preview, UFC review, anything. It's been a long time. No UFC for well over a month. And they tried to make it work. They tried to make Fight Island work. And they tried to make the Apex work. And they tried to do all this stuff that just didn't work. And this is the first time we've been here since March 14th. No fans since March 7th. That's been two full months. But Adesanya versus Romero, Lee versus Oliveira are the last two efforts that we've seen out of the UFC. And they are coming back with a big one this weekend. It is a huge show, a a big show. A lot of good names on there, even that that might not be successful right now. I ask that you all leave a thumbs up, subscribe, tap that bell for notifications. This is on our, our lesser trafficked MMA channel. So, hey, help get us out there. If you want your question or statement right on the air, donate a Super Chat. Any amount helps us uh, out a lot. So, big thank you. And, of course, join in this weekend, UFC 249 coverage. I'll be doing a post show. I'll be doing... Uh, a live watch along of the main event. I'll be doing something in coverage of this event, and we're going to preview this show. It's a real good one. We're going to start off with Ryan Spann, who is a minus 410 favorite over the plus 330 Sam Alvey, and appropriately so. Uh, Ryan Spann has had three fights canceled in a row now. He's 3 0 in the UFC. He has been able to finish fights, submission, KO, and take it to a decision. Alvey, on the other hand, Three losses in a row, uh, that's rough. That's real rough. Uh, you, you can't be losing three in a row in the UFC and expect to still hang around. Uh, you can't, definitely can't lose four in a row and expect to hang around. Alvy's saving grace might be that he's willing to take a fight anywhere, anytime, really any weight that he can make. So hopefully, hopefully... This isn't too much for him to overcome. He is a name they can throw on a card like this and manage to get a couple of people to take notice of because this is probably going to be on the early prelims, I think, and will still have people paying attention. Ryan Spann is a hell of a prospect to watch, though. You also have Bryce Mitchell, guy who got his nuts tangled up in a power drill. He's won three three in a row regardless. He's got a twister win uh, also. Charles Rosa has had a lot of fights canceled. He's only competed twice since Fightful launch. So it feels like we talked about him a lot. And it feels like it has been about once a year. 
consistently 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So like probably four or five times. But when it comes to actually getting in the cage, it just doesn't happen. I don't know what to expect from Charles Rosa. He is a plus 140 underdog compared to uh, Bryce Mitchell, who is a 160, uh, minus 160 under or favorite rather. Easy for me to say. I'm going with Bryce Mitchell here. I'm going with Ryan Spann in the early going. I think that that uh, those are pretty safe bets, even though the line on Mitchell versus Rosa is really close. We also have Vicente Luque, a minus 275 favorite against the plus 235 Nico Price. That might be one of my I got five on it. Now, Vicente Luque is really good. He had just ended a six-fight winning streak by losing to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's very dangerous everywhere, but I feel like he has to win to stay relevant in the division. Winning right here keeps him in the conversation. You can say, oh, well, he's won seven of eight if he wins this fight. If he loses two in a row, that's rough, man. That takes a little bit of overcoming. That's me saying that with everybody coming off of losses, getting title fights these days. But this this is... uh, Sorry, I had to catch my breath there. A little short of breath. This is a dark horse for fight of the night. Nico Price is inconsistent, but he can win anywhere. And I mean anywhere. Off his back, hammer fist from the bottom, up kicks, punches, rear naked choke. It doesn't matter. Particularly, he has shown an ability to be dangerous on the ground, off his back. When somebody else is on top of him or standing up. An up kick, hammer fist from the bottom, that doesn't happen a whole lot. So Nico Price, I think is, I don't think he's given the respect he should get at plus 235, but still, I, I get it. Vicente Luque is on the up and up, even though he dropped that fight to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I, I still think Nico Price is, is worth an I got five on it. Jacare Souza and Uriah Hall. Jacare Souza is a minus 130 favorite. I don't know if he should be. Uriah Hall is a plus 110 underdog. It's pretty close. Uriah Hall has finally put it together. He's won three of four. He finally won a decision. And my fear is that he has maybe fallen in love with the decision. Like, you know how some people fall in love with the knockout and all that. The, the rap on Uriah Hall has always been, if he doesn't pull the trigger, he's probably not going to win. And that was the case. If he didn't pull the trigger, he never won until his most recent fight where he finally got a decision. Now, Jacare has effectively been out of the title picture for a while now, has lost three of four, but has shown over the last six years that he needs to finish to win a fight. Over the last six years, he is 0-4 when a fight goes to the scorecards. Meanwhile, Uriah Hall was much like that, but finally earned a decision. My fear is that Uriah Hall is going to try to take this to the scorecards because him not being aggressive has been a problem for him all along. Jacare not being aggressive could be a problem for him here, has been a problem for him throughout his entire last six years, his, the majority of his UFC run. When he doesn't get aggressive, he runs into problems. When Uriah Hall doesn't get aggressive, he runs into problems until recently, and part of me feels like as frustrating of a fighter as Uriah Hall is to watch sometimes, he will probably take a look at that and say, you know what, it worked for me this time. It'll work for me again. And I I don't like that. If Jacare loses, this could be it. That's weird to think because Jacare has just always been around, man. Jacare is, is 
has always been a guy whose name is up there and is one that you could rely on to be there near the top of the card, but not anymore. I got Uriah Hall winning this. I think he will. I hope that he will pull the trigger. But this one could be either really good or really bad, to be honest with you. Former UFC champion Carla Esparza is a minus 160 favorite over the plus 140 Michelle Watterson. I think she has more tools being Esparza. She's really turned it around one, two in a row over good opponents. Uh, you know what you're getting out of Esparza. Some okay striking, some good wrestling, at least for the women's division. Watterson ran into Joanna, and that will happen. Three of her last four fights have been decisions, and this one's probably going to the scorecards. If this goes any other way, I'd be surprised. Uh, I get the feeling that Watterson's going to try to keep her range, not allow Esparza to get into a clinch, but I see the majority of this fight being held up against the cage. I think the the majority of this will take place up against the cage. A lot of even Stalin brawl, some some whatever whatever cool rhyming term that you use with pushing somebody up against the cage, pinning your head into their chin, trying to land the takedown and instead landing some strikes. But she yeah, Watterson's got to try to maintain distance. If she doesn't, I feel like it's going to be I don't want to say real bad for her. I just think she'll get taken down. Fabricio Verdum, a minus 310 favorite over the plus 255. Alexi Olenek put five on it. I mean, one, that's a heavyweight fight. Two, they're both 42 years old. Three, Verdum is back after two years. I don't know what kind of Fabricio Verdum we're going to see. You can't pretend that you do either. Olenek's win over Mo Green was very, very impressive, but he's clearly on the downturn. But what, we're supposed to believe that Fabricio Verdum isn't? He was already. I don't get it. A plus 255 for Olenek, a minus 310 for Verdum. Maybe Verdum wins this. It's a real possibility. Two years, though, he's been out. I'm interested in if this fight goes to the ground. Will it? I don't know. I don't think Alexi Olenek standing with Fabricio Verdum would be a good idea. I think that if Olenek gets it to the ground, he stands more of a chance than on the feet. And that's saying something because Fabricio Verdum is fantastic on the ground. He's outstanding on the ground. It's just amazing. That... that that's where Olenek stands a better chance is on the ground because that that is Verdum's strength. But right here, I think probably Verdum is better off staying staying on the feet, trying to. It's I just don't know what kind of Verdum we're gonna see. That's that's why I'm so perplexed. I'm fumbling over my words. I'm having trouble trying to formulate something to to really convey this. Verdum's strongest point is on on the ground, but that's also the most likely scenario in which he's going to lose. Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis. Man, this one was put together to get a win. Cerrone, a plus 115 underdog. A minus 135 favorite is Pettis. Pettis has won in 2013 with a body kick. Uh, Both of these guys need to win. This was a fight put together to get one of them that. I think that Donald Cerrone is a more complete fighter today. And I think that Anthony Pettis, oh man, I, 
I feel like Pettis always pulls out these wins, but I don't expect him to. Cerrone needs a win, and he needs to be competitive at the very least. If he's not competitive, I have a hard time seeing him hanging around much longer. I'm sure he would want to, but four losses in a row, he's been getting stopped quicker and quicker. And you can think of what you want about that Tony Ferguson fight, which is really good, but he he keeps getting stopped quicker and quicker. I would watch the body kicks of Pettis. I think that Cerrone is actually better on the ground, but Pettis can get very sneaky on the ground. Cerrone is is one of those guys that he's he's very competent to good at everything. Pettis isn't quite that, I don't think. Pettis isn't a, even a good wrestler. I don't think he's a decent wrestler. He's, he's okay on the ground. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He's got pretty good striking. He can catch you out of nowhere. And I feel like that's something that, that he could either it, it is a roll of the dice, especially with Cerrone. You, you catch him with something crazy, that's great. You got a highlight, and it might finish the fight. But if not, I feel like Cerrone would capitalize on that and really ether you in a post-fight interview. Someone asking how many pay-per-view buys this does. Probably about 200000 uh, We'll never know, though. ESPN will not release that. UFC will not release that. <clears throat> Greg Hardy, a minus 200 favorite against Jorgen DeCastro. Oh boy, I got five on Jorgen DeCastro. I just think that one of these days, Greg Hardy's going to get caught and scooted. Jorgen knows that he needs to throw his hands to win. That's how he has competed in the UFC. Greg Hardy did a lot better than anybody thought he was going to do against Alexander Volkov. Heavy hands come his way, and he manages to stay awake. Got to credit him for that. It's hard to enjoy... Greg Hardy as a fighter because of what he did as a person. And I think Jorgen DeCastro is going to make a lot of people happy in this fight. But I've picked against Greg Hardy in almost every fight he's had. Almost. I don't want to say every fight he's had, but a lot of them. And he's he's been more impressive than I had anticipated. I think Jorgen's going to win this, but it would not surprise me if Greg Hardy wins this. I'll still put five on Jorgen. Yeah. Calvin Katara, minus 240 against the plus 200 Jeremy Stevens. I know a lot of you are probably looking at this and you're like, Jeremy Stevens, minus, or plus 200? Do you have five on it? No, I don't have five on it. Not at all. This will probably be a striking battle. Qatar has trouble with elite fighters, but Stevens is not elite anymore. He's lost three in a row. He is not what he was. And this time, I think it's really the time that Jeremy Stevens' career 
is on the downturn. He's 33 now, which is bonkers to think he's 33 now because he's been in the UFC for 13 years. 13 years. Since he was like 20, 21, he's been there. But he's, he's, I should specify that. He's got zero wins in his last four fights. And he's been in these types of situations before. He's lost three of four in, in like 08, 09. He lost three in a row in 2011 and 12. He lost, I think, five of seven between 14 and 17. Then he came back and won three in a row. He beat Melendez, Duho Choi, and Josh Emmett. But they have been putting him against the Jose Aldos, the Zabits, the Yaya Rodriguez's of the world, the top-level featherweights. I don't think Calvin Qatar is there, and he has had trouble with those as well, but not, I, I don't think that, I think that Calvin Qatar is a lot more advanced than Jeremy Stevens at this stage in, in where he could be. Oh boy, here it is. <clears throat> the fight I have dreaded talking about. Henry Cejudo, a minus 225, defends the UFC Bantamweight Championship against plus 185 Dominic Cruz. How am I supposed to put a prediction on this fight? Dominic Cruz hasn't fought since 2006. 17, 18, 19, inactive. Hasn't fought in three and a half years and he gets a title shot. Who does he get a title shot over? Jose Aldo, who came off of a loss. Who came off of a loss. Keep in mind, Henry Cejudo abandoned the flyweight title. Didn't want to fight Joseph Benavidez, who already beat him. Didn't want to fight Peter Young. Didn't want to fight Aljamain Sterling. Didn't want to fight people who deserved a title shot. I got no respect for that. No respect for that. It's gone beyond, like, ridiculous. To the point to where myself and Nikita Krylov fan were joking. Like, if Cruz wins this, he's got to get on the mic and be like, I want to call out somebody who deserves this. Scott Jorgensen. Yeah, Marlon Marias didn't get a title shot. Somebody asking how are Cruz's legs. How the hell should I know? How would anybody know? Will he make it there Saturday? I don't know. I don't know how he's doing. How could we know how he's doing? He's missed three and a half years. He want, I, I'm so sick of this bullshit carousel at Bantamweight that's been there for years. It was Faber and it was Cruz. And then it was Cruz and it was Dillashaw. Then it was Dillashaw and it was Cejudo. Now it's Cejudo and Cruz again? Yeah. Uh, just, just forget Corey Sanhagen, Peter Yan. Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Marais, these guys who worked their asses off, worked their asses off to earn their title shot and are passed over. This is complete bullshit, and I get it. Henry Cejudo thinks he's getting heat doing this, and he is. But here's the thing. I don't want to watch him fight. That ain't good heat. He's getting the Baron Corbin heat right now. I'm like, man, why? Why? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't get me to go, ooh, I'm so heated. I hope Dominic Cruz beats him. I don't care because what Dominic Cruz hasn't fought in three and a half years. He doesn't deserve the shot either. Unbelievable. I think Cejudo probably wins. He's active. He fights. He has competed recently. So I think that, that Henry Cejudo probably out-wrestles uh, Dominic Cruz, uh, the pun intended, I think he's got more legs underneath him. It's where we are. Hell of a fight coming up. Francis Ngannou, minus 270. Jair Rosenstruck, a plus 230. 
Whoo, boy. I think Francis Ngannou has learned. Now, you all heard me mention Uriah Hall not pulling the trigger earlier and it causing him struggles. That caused Francis Ngannou struggles. And what happened? Like, you always heard, oh, he's working on his cardio. He's working on this. Good, work on that. But the thing that made you successful was throwing your fists at the face of an opponent, connecting, and and doing, and oh my gosh, and, and doing <laughs> damage and knocking people out. And that's what he's been doing. It's it's amazing that he was able to look at that and say, you know what? I got beat by Stipe. I got beat by Derek Lewis. The thing that was working was me clubbing people in the face, and that's what I'm going to do again. And it worked. It worked. And as a result, he is right back in position to compete for the UFC championship again. So is Jair Rosenstruck. Jair Rosenstruck discovered very early in his career, I, I'm going to say 2012, before he took a five-year hiatus, that, uh, you know how I was, you know, I was a kickboxer, did really good there, I'm just going to knock people out. He figured that out and he stuck with it. And the thing is, he won't quit sticking with it, whether it's 10 seconds in, as we saw against Alan Crowder, or there's five seconds left like Alistair Overeem. That's just, that's how it is. I think a Jair Rosentruck, Derek Lewis fight in the future, mwah, I get to see them clubbing each other in the face, falling over, getting back up, knocking each other down. Amazing. This is a hell of a fight. And I'm glad that Jair Rosenstruck, after four UFC fights, barely a year in the UFC, he had a great 2019. I'm glad he's getting this opportunity. He had four finishes in his first year. Four finishes in about nine months. And it, it was unbelievable. Like this, this he took he took the world by storm, took the UFC world by storm. He started off with Junior Albini, who has has got a win in the UFC. He fought Alan Crowder, eh? Beat Arlovsky, and they said, "All right, let's let's jump up." Alistair Overeem. All right, well, you put him away, you put him away. You get you get another big boy. You get Francis Ngannou. Here you go. You win. There's a good chance you're going to get a title shot. I love this fight. I think Ngannou's going to win. I think the line should be a little bit closer than it is, but this is a damn good fight. Another damn good fight is Tony Ferguson. 12 wins in a row. He's had 10 fights canceled. And how about this? Only two of them were his of his pulling out. My heart hurts that this is not for Habib Nurmagomedov. But if you're Habib Nurmagomedov, you know what you do? You stay in the country in which the UFC president and your opponent are in. That's how you probably get your fight. I think Habib was over this. I think I don't think Habib is scared of Tony Ferguson. I think he didn't want to fight Tony Ferguson in this environment, in this situation, during all this, regardless of what he says. Remember, leave a thumbs up, like, subscribe, all that stuff. I don't think he wanted to fight Tony Ferguson in this situation. I think he was over it. Do I think the fight will happen? At this point, no. Justin Gaethje has a real good chance of beating Tony Ferguson. Do I think he will? 
I have it at like 51-49, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is a minus 185 favorite over the plus 160 Justin Gaethje. I got a lot of respect for Gaethje. It looked like he was done after Poirier and Alvarez thought he was done at the, the top levels. But he's won three in a row. He saw that being aggressive helps in the UFC. Being aggressive is something that we have seen work against Tony Ferguson with Lando Venata. Somebody says, Dana told Habib to go home. Well, Dana White's not always full of good ideas. If you want the fight, you probably stick around where it is, regardless of what he says. You probably stick around. You know that everything's getting shut down. It didn't take a genius to realize everything was going to get shut down. He's got a lot of smart people around him. As far as Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, I want Ferguson to win this personally because I want to see Habib and Tony Ferguson. I think Habib mops the floor with Tony Ferguson, probably. But I still want to see that fight. I still want to see that fight. I could also see Tony Ferguson managing to take... Well, see, here's the thing. Justin Gaethje can wrestle a lot better than anybody gives him credit for. But I think that that Ferguson's submission game is a lot better off. A lot better off. Well, guys, leave a thumbs up. Let me know who you think is going to win. Very interested in this card. I'll be here Saturday. We're going to have live coverage. We're going to have uh, our pick Ahead of that, make sure you guys check out FightfulMMA.com for that. Subscribe. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.